Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. God, I love you today, God. Amen. I believe what we are feeling here today is not something just contrived in the heart of, or the mind of a man, but I believe that the Spirit of the Lord has ordered this day, and it's been ordered a long, long time, Amen. This is a special weekend for us. We're just believing God to touch minister as he already has. Amen. But you know what? Just because the Lord did something specific and special yesterday in our meeting, just because the Lord has done something already here, very special and significant this morning, certainly does not mean that he is through. Amen. I love worship. I love praise and worship. But I'm going to tell you what will keep you in the storm is the Word of God. Amen. The Word. You, you interpret it in your mind and you visualize it how you please. But I am convinced that the body, the flesh of Jesus Christ was weak and weary and battle-worn after 40 days in the wilderness. But when the enemy came to pull and tug at his faith and confidence and his trust, he just quoted scripture, the word of God. I know you've heard that illustration a thousand times, but I'm telling you, nothing will keep you like the word. Nothing will keep you like the word. Amen. I pray that the spirit of the Lord will minister to us now. Amen. I am very honored beyond my pitiful vocabulary to have brother and sister Barnum with us here today I have felt like for a long time that the Lord would order a season for them to be with us but not just with our leadership but with our church family and so we batted dates back and forth back and forth and and, uh, I felt like when the time was right it would happen and it is here it is not happening it is upon us right now and so I wonder if we'd stand in honor to their brother and sister Barnum. There's so many things I would like to say, but as we want to be conscious of the Spirit of God moving in the atmosphere right here, I don't want to talk that away. Amen. But this is not just a not just a preacher, but he has been a great friend and an advocate and a voice in, in our lives and Sister Varnum and my wife's life and we appreciate them so much and I wonder if you would just make them welcome would you do that and I want them to take their liberty in the Holy Ghost praise the Lord praise God hallelujah thank you for your people Jesus thank you for your great church thank you Lord for brothers and sisters in you Lord Jesus praise God You may be seated. Thank you for your very warm welcome. And thanks to Brother and Sister 
Boyd for their very warm hospitality and yesterday a great day of fellowship and spiritual interaction and true fellowship with the various folks that came to talk about leadership yesterday. I know the Lord has met with us and I trust uh, every person here really I trust that we do appreciate what the Lord's doing in this place. I pray that you have this wonderful move of the Holy Ghost every time you gather to worship or every time you bow your knee to pray. I pray that you have that deep free flow of the Holy Ghost. Certainly, I can witness to you and verify it most definitely God is working in this place in our lives today. And I know that it's obvious that this is not a once, uh, one-time thing, that this is a flow of this church. And what a great opportunity is and really a privilege for my wife and I to be here. My wife, I'm going to ask her to come at this time and many of the things that she, she's very good at saying, much better than I am. And uh, so whatever she says, you can rest assured, as long as she's not criticizing me, it's ditto all the way. <laughs> Surely. No, she'd never do that. My wife, God bless her. Praise the Lord, everybody. I would drive two hours one way to come to this church. Don't talk to me about driving to malls two and three hours away. Going to restaurants an hour and a half away. And Wednesday night, you can't make it to church. Help me, God. Get me to church. Get me to the house of the Lord. I first want to say before I go on a tyrant here, I'm telling you, I feel honestly, y'all could have just kept this thing going. I mean, this is what I live for. This is it. You know, the old timers used to say, I was brought up in the fire and I can't live in the smoke. And you know what smoke would do to you. It will kill you dead. Give us the fire of the Holy Ghost and let us be moved by that. I want to say to... I'm looking around here and I see people that I know have been here for 40 years. The very first time I came to this church, you were here and you were young. Thank you for coming to church. I honor you. You know, I'm telling you, I, I tell our church this. You know, the generation before us, they call it the greatest generation. And you know, that's that generation that went to World War II and they fought and they gave their lives. So many young men lost their lives over on those beaches there in Normandy and, and so many uh, families were left without daddies and husbands and, uh, those, and, and they just built their self up. They came home. They just, you know, you, they didn't talk about the war. You know, now we have, you know, so many counselors for everything. And God bless them. I'm not preaching against counselors. Hallelujah. 
But I'm going to tell you, there is something that the power of God can do for you that no counselor can do for you. But not only did that generation fight in war, they fought a battle for America in the spirit. My mama, my dad, my husband's mother and father, I'm sure the newborn, uh, the uh, Boyd's mother and father and grandparents and, and some of you sitting right here, your parents, they fought wars. Let me tell you in the spirit, they brought down kingdoms. They fought against the spirits of the world. Those people, they lived to come to church and to worship and to shout and to give God everything. And there was nothing, nothing that was too hard for them. Just, just the story of how this church got here is so amazing. But not for that generation. That's what they did. It, they didn't put any limits. Oh, now if it gets a little too hard, well, I can't do it. Yeah, well, nah, we can't do that. Really? Really? You know, I'm so glad you've got the word apostolic out there. When we first went to Bellevue, we were getting ready to change the name. Yeah, we're young. We're 19. We're 20 years old. We're so young. We, we want this great name, you know. It's been, what, what was that name on the church, honey? Oh, it was long. Apostolic, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, Jesus' name, something. Long. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were, so we were, we're going to change it to Souls Harbor. And I said, honey, you cannot take Pentecostal off of that sign. Now, I want people to know what they're walking into. I want them to know this is a church on fire. And thank, thank God, I thought when I walked in these doors today, I was like, man, no false advertisement out here. This is, an, this is a true apostolic church. Woo! Well, hallelujah. There's two things the Holy Ghost spoke to me before I ever walked in the doors for this church. Two things. Deliverance. There's some people that are in this building right now that you need deliverance. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll just get under the authority of your pastor and pastor's wife and the leadership of this church, you just give yourself over. A lot of these things are just going to melt away from you. But the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, there's going to be deliverance. You know, people, people get to dabbling in things. They don't know what that world's got out there. They don't know how, what a stronghold it gets on them. They think, oh, we're, I'm not doing that good right now. I'll just do a little of this or I'll do a little of that. I'm going to tell you, the stuff that's out there, the devil means to hook you for life. But God's got deliverance here this morning. You can be set free from that, that spirit. You can be set free from drugs, from alcohol, from tobacco. You can be set free from that. God's big enough. He's strong enough. God can do it. And faith. I, I believe the Holy Ghost spoke that to me. If you want deliverance, I'm going to tell you, I'd fall right under whatever this man preaches. Let me tell you, if this man preached for I couldn't wear no high heel shoes, I'd just come in flats and shout. I would, it would not bother me one little bit if he told me I had to wear my hair in a ponytail. I'd just wear my hair in a ponytail. I'd just do whatever made this pastor here happy and I would just let God bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. 
Woo! You want to be delivered? Get under the covering of, of the church. Get under the covering of the Holy Ghost. Get under the covering of God. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Woo. Glory. I'm telling you, there's deliverance here. I feel like some of you got a touch of deliverance just already. But there's also some healing, some miracles. I want to just mention this and I'm going to get right out of the way. I was going to sing, but my Lord, y'all have sung and sung and I have loved it, loved it. I want that banjo player to come to Bellevue. That little girl that was up here singing a minute ago, I like you, I want you to come and sing. Praise God. But you can't stay there. But you can come for one off service. And thank God for you baby boomers. That's what I am. Please, let's not drop the ball. Come on. You know, I know that generation before us, they worked like dogs. I mean, they built themselves up from nothing. Most of them had nothing. They just worked hard and God blessed them. But come on, baby boomers. Can't make it to church. What's going on here? We have cars. We're not, we're not hitching up the mule, getting in the wagon. That's how my mom and dad went to church for years. We just walk out there and we turn. Oh, and then what happens if it won't turn on? Oh, can't go to church. Hey, you got people in here you can call. Come pick me up for church. I want to go to church. You baby boomers, you bless me when I see you here. I, I, I know we maybe can't be quite as strong as those before us because they were almost unbelievable. But come on. God can help us when we don't feel like we could do it. And then, of course, who I'm really interested in, I'm interested in these, this whole new crew, these millennials, these young ones that are coming on. You've got to know it. It's got to come to you like it came to my mom. In 1929, in a little old cabin, and she didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was, but she was reading Acts 2.38, and the power of God came into that little cabin, and the Bible slid out of her lap, and she started speaking in tongues and shouting. And I'm going to tell you, that woman never quit shouting the rest of her life. Never quit shouting. You millennials have got to have an experience like that. You got to get it like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't have this like. Come on, get your, get your hands in the air. Get your mouth open. Get a hold of God. Because your generation needs it. It's worse than any generation we've got. We need you young people to be powerful. We need you to be faithful. And we need you to know God. Oh, whew. I want to build your faith. 40 years ago, we had a family that drove up in front of our church. We were running about maybe 20 people back then. And uh, this family came up. They had four boys in the back of the truck. Their name was Leonard and Lucille Burroughs. 
they drove up and my pastor's wife happened to been there and it was a Sunday afternoon and my husband and I were trying to get a nap. I was just dazed from having Danae and she was out praying on the little parking lot there and this family drove up and said, what does this church teach? And uh, they said, um, they looked at her and said, how many gods is there? And uh, Sister Daniel said, one God. And they said, what's his name? She said, Jesus. They said, we've been looking for a church like this. I cannot tell you the help that that family has been. All four of those boys played instruments. They were a singing family. Um, they came in just gun-ho, head over heels. They've been there all these years. And she's been sick the last year or so. She's been in the hospital two or three times. And she lost out. She wasn't never kind of, you know, huge, but she got up a little on the chunky side. You know, a little like me, kind of fluffy. <laughs> and, um, and let me tell you, she got down to 99 pounds. And no, nothing she did, nothing they did. They were in the hospital, out of the hospital. I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost came by and hit her. She said, God, I've, she didn't have an appetite. She couldn't eat. She was sick. The woman has had four open heart surgeries. So she's had to deal with a lot of different things. If you deal with cuminum, anybody here knows? That's a crazy thing. Uh, so anyway, but just... After, just after prayer, just after a good touch of the Holy Ghost in her house, she got hungry. She got up two Sunday nights ago. She came over to me and said, Sister Farnham, can I testify? Are you kidding me? You can testify, honey. Get up here. She said, I want to thank God. Of course, you know, she, she was 99 pounds. She looks this big. I gained four pounds this week. And... Usually people aren't thanking God for gaining that weight. We're usually thanking him for the other direction. But then she said, and I have had a tumor in my colon for three months. They did autopsies. They've done, they were going to have to take this thing out. Am I saying the right thing? Oh, biopsy. <laughs> hey, it's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm still on track here. And he said, she said, I went this week to the doctor and because they were going to have to do whatever they had to do. And she said, it was gone. Every bit of it was gone. I want you to know God is still a healer in 2013. And I don't care how long you've dealt with it, if it's been a year or two years, God is still a healer. And there is something about that faith connecting that, I mean, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. I had, I had bursitis in my arm, and it was caused by my husband. And um, when we went to Europe back in the, when we were in our 20s, back then, the video cameras, the, they were huge. They were huge. They're almost as big as the top of this here thing. Whoa, Sorry. They were this big. And so he had the little camera part, and I had to carry the other part that was hooked on. 
and all over Europe because my husband has to have pictures of everything. And I'm going to tell you, when I got home, I started having problems. I had problems over there. I told him, I said, this is a little heavy for me. He said, well, this is the only way we can get pictures. So I guess that was very important. And I got to where I could not lift this arm. And, of course, you know, with bursitis, they say, well, you're just going to have to live with it. you got to take this medication. You have to take this. Now, that might hurt your kidney, might hurt your liver, might hurt your... Well, I don't know. Why do I want to die from? My liver, my kidney, or my arm? I don't know. And uh, so anyway, anyway, I, I just said, well, you know what? I'm just, uh, he was helping me get dressed. I was having people come over and help me fix my hair. I mean, I was in pain just all the time. This was a good year of this. And we were just in a regular Sunday morning service. There was no special preacher, no big evangelist. There was no, it was just our little old bunch of people and and I don't even know who was preaching. I don't know if it was Pastor Jason, my husband, whatever was going on. But just, this is how faith works, folks. There, you know, I just wanted to get both of my arms up in the air. And always, you know, hey, I don't care if one arm was not working. The other one was working fine. So I was like this all the time. But I just wanted to get my arm up in the air. And I was praising the Lord. I was sitting on that front bench. And all of a sudden... I mean, I just shot that thing up. It hadn't been up. I hadn't been able to lift it for a year. And I shot my arm in the air, and the Holy Ghost took every bit of that bursitis out of that joint or muscle. I don't know where it is, but it, it left me. That's how faith works. It's not by some big name. It is that, it, it is that faith that you hear, and you, you just grab a hold of it, and it just works. I haven't been troubled by that for 30 years. And I'm going to tell you, God is a healer. And there's two things God's going to do here today. Somebody's going to be delivered from alcohol or tobacco or, or, or drugs. Or, or somebody's going to be delivered. And somebody is going to get a healing here today. The Holy Ghost is through here, not one little bit. I believe there are some people that are going to be totally delivered when you walk out that door today. <laughs> Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the deliverer. Hallelujah. You know, I want you to be very sensitive. I want this church to be very sensitive because I feel such hunger in this area. As my husband and I drove in the other day and last night we went out to eat, I just feel this hunger. It's like, it's like pounding on our car windows as I'm driving down the road. There are people so hungry for this power. And they are living around you and among you. And they may not show how hungry they are. But I felt such hunger when I drove into this area. And I'm going to tell you, this church, you're going to have to make room for some more people. 
You're going to have to scoot over or some of y'all are going to have to sit on the platform. There are people hungry and all they need is for you just to be nice to them. They just need you to be a friend to them. They don't know where to look. They're, they're trying everything they can try. They're, they're going everywhere. They're trying to have the best time they can have. But they're so hungry. And they're hungry for God. And they don't really know where to get a hold of them like this. And if you'll be sensitive, I'm going to tell you this church is going to see a great revival. I mean a great revival. A revival like you have not seen in a long time. Not just one or two souls. I'm telling you, they're going to be coming by tens and fifties and a hundreds. There's hunger. There's hunger. Be sensitive to the Lord. Well, it seems like every time we give him thanks, he does a little bit more. So let's give him thanks again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this good work that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for this good work you're doing. Thank you, Jesus, for this good work you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord Jesus. Thank the Lord Jesus. Thank the Lord Jesus. I bless your name, Lord. I bless your name, Jesus. Ha ha. Ha ha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The fact is, it's not how perfect we are that causes God to fill us with so many good things. It's the level of our hunger and thirst that brings God in to fill us with good things. Hallelujah. And good things will help us go into perfection. But what brings it is that hunger and that thirst. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That hunger and that thirst, when you mix it with faith, there's nothing impossible. Thank the Lord Jesus. Thank the Lord Jesus. You may be seated, and I'm aware of the time, and uh, I'm also aware that you all usually just have one uh, good full service, but I don't intend to preach a long time. We've had so many wonderful things happen. But I want to bring us to our attention to something that I know the Lord has brought to my attention. Um, all of this that's going on today is not just to have a, 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 a nice program at church. This building here, this gospel preached here, this pastor's wife, this church congregation that the Lord spoke just spoke to in prophecy, uh, this is not just for this. We're all getting ready for that. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. We are really getting ready for the great event that's next and soon to happen. Now, I'm going to just say some things fairly Rapidly today, I don't mean in a hurry, but necessarily, but just in brief form. This is not a Bible study, though most of my messages end up being Bible studies. If I'm teaching, it's slow. It's a Bible study. If I'm preaching, it's just a little faster. But today, I don't intend to try to prove a lot of things. I don't intend to, but I'm going to talk about the coming of Jesus Christ and the appearing of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is returning soon. And regardless of how well the world seems to be going along, and I know we know of trouble and wars and rumors of wars, but uh, some of us have lived through a lot of trouble sometimes. We've seen times where we didn't know if this country would even survive another decade. And it may or may not. And I'm not trying to minimize the problems that we have today. But this country and this world has seen problems before. But we've never been more postured. This world and its readiness to do what they're going to do. And the church and her readiness to do what she's going to do. And the Lord Jesus and his readiness to do what he's going to do. It's never been postured better than today for Jesus to come for his church. And I ask you in advance to understand, first of all, I don't claim to be a, a master of end time prophecy. And secondly, I ask you in advance to be open and just to receive the spirit of what I have to say for the, just a few minutes today. I, I ask you to know that in no way would I, when you get into some of these areas, would you want to conflict with a local pastor's teaching. Also know that there are people here that in your background, you come from a lot of different places and have a lot of different uh, thoughts and maybe even revelations about the end time and about prophecy concerning the end time. This is not about trying to establish who's right and who's wrong. This is about what we all agree on. The Lord has a church and he's gonna come back for his church. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. I remember back in 1988 pastoring in Bellevue as we still are there working with Pastor Jason. And 88 Reasons, a gentleman wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in the Year of 1988. And on that weekend, when he was to come during that particular Jewish celebration time, and um, we, uh, we went into the sanctuary that morning, and I'm telling you, we had to bring out chairs. There were so many people there, and most of them backsliders, people that knew they ought to be at church every Sunday but didn't go. But when they thought Jesus was coming, they were there. Now, folks can be as big and bad as they want to act. But when it comes right down to eternity, there's not any of us as bold as we act like we are. We don't know what's out there for sure. There are some things the Bible shows us and tells us. But especially when it comes to someone who's not close to God or is backslidden away from God, they truly don't have a clue as to what is ahead of them. And, and, but, when that man said there's 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88, there are people that I didn't even know certain denominations believed in all night prayer meetings that were having them around our area. There were people I didn't even know they ever fasted. They were fasting. In grocery stores, cashiers, and people restocking the shelves were talking about the fact that Jesus could very well come that particular weekend. And people were stirred up about it. They were people that didn't care about even one smidgen of what they were caring about last week. They thought Jesus was coming. Well, I want to tell you today that there is a better posture and a readiness for Jesus to come now than there was in 1988. <clears throat> Praise God. Many scholars believe that there could be a good 700 prophecies about Jesus Christ to be Many have been fulfilled or to be fulfilled in the Old and New Testaments combined. In the, in the Old Testament, at least 300 prophecies were written about Jesus Christ even before Jesus was born. 
If we considered the odds of these things coming to pass, if we looked at 300 prophecies, I wouldn't even know personally how, I wouldn't even know how to speak it, pronounce it, or say the odds that there would be for 300 prophecies to be fulfilled about him that were just spoken in the Old Testament that were fulfilled, many of them already, in the time when Jesus was born and lived and died and rose again from this earth. In a, in a publication called Science Speaks, Dr. Peter Stoner, the chairman of the departments of mathematics, mathematics and astronomy, um, among other positions he held, he estimated that the odds of just 48 Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah being fulfilled in just one person. He calculated the odds to be one in 10 to the power of 157. Now, I don't even know how to say that. I enjoyed math in school, but it was basically basic math. But these odds, when you start talking about one in 10 to the power of 157, I do know these odds take us to mathematical exponent. It gets far beyond add and subtract, multiply or divide in the basics. Gets even far beyond some of the, some of the even higher math. It gets way up there. So to keep bringing it down, we, we take eight prophecies, the likelihood that they would be fulfilled, where they were spoken, when they were spoken, how long before they were spoken, under the conditions they were spoken, the things that happened in the world after they were spoken up to the time it was fulfilled. If you just took eight, eight out of 300 prophecies that could be fulfilled in one person, the actual mathematical probability that Jesus Christ, that one person, to have fulfilled even eight prophecies would still be mind-boggling for me. Just one chance in one quadrillion. That's, you know, thousand, million, billion, trillion, then you get the quadrillion. One chance in one quadrillion of eight prophecies all lining up exactly as the Old Testament prophets prophesied that Jesus fulfilled in his life and death and resurrection upon this earth. Now, he fulfilled many more, but I'm just trying to get it down to where I can say it here. If we just took one of those prophecies that just had to do with a simple matter of the Roman soldiers casting lots for Jesus' garment to be fulfilled, as the uh, Psalms 22:18 says, it would be about the chances of one in 187,000 chances of that being fulfilled. Just that one simple thing that was not totally unheard of, but yet, rare in many cases. The Bible tells us of end time prophecy that will be fulfilled and and would be fulfilled and much of it has been. You go all the way back to what God told Abraham concerning his descendants. Genesis 15 verse 18. The Lord made a covenant with Abraham on that day and said your descendants I'll give this land to them from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates and so forth. It was written by Moses, perhaps 1400 B.C. And it began to be fulfilled when Moses was in the process of taking them, and Joshua continued, to take them into the promised land. But it was re-fulfilled in the year of 1948 for Israel to have their own nation and to be free and united as one nation. 2,900 years ago, 
Israel divided into two kingdoms, Judah and Israel. And 2,900 years, Israel went uh, divided, and in many of those years, off into captivity, scattered around the globe, and without a country of their own. But God made a promise that it would be their land. And in 19, May 14, 1948, the Jews regained independence for Israel to be restored as a nation. And it was for the first time in 2,900, almost 3,000 years, that Israel was both united as one nation and had their own nation to call their own. Can you imagine how many times in those 2,900 years people doubted it could happen? But we now know, in retrospect, it happened. Archaeology proves in many different ways that the Jews did possess that land 2,900 years ago. And recent history, without a doubt, proves and is documented that they are now back and restored as a nation and as a people. God said through Jeremiah the prophet that he would save the Jews, but not only that, he would destroy the Jews' enemies. And he said he, would, he was with them, he would save them, but he would make a full end of all nations where they were scattered. Jeremiah 30 verse 11. And this was written around 600 B.C. The prophet Jeremiah said the enemies of Israel would be destroyed, but the Jews would never perish. It seemed that was backward for so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But God brought it to pass. History has many examples of how nations have tried to destroy Israel, the Jews, not just one, but many times. About 2,700 years ago, in about 721 B.C., Assyria destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and they tortured, killed, and exiled many, many Jews. In the year of 586 B.C., which is about 2,600 years ago, Babylon destroyed the southern kingdom of Judah and they killed and exiled many, many Jews and they were scattered across the land. And then after Jesus was upon the earth and he prophesied about the temple, not one stone will be left upon another. And in 70 AD, about 1900 years ago from now, the Romans came in led by Titus and estimated that they killed 1.1 million Jews and destroyed the city of Jerusalem trying to eradicate permanently the people of Israel. And then in 135 AD, the Romans killed an estimated 580,000 Jews and exiled many, many people and they were scattered. And now more recent history, we, many of us know that in the 1930s, in the 1940s, the Nazis under the leadership of Hitler tried to do their best to destroy all, eradicate all Jews. An estimated 6 million Jews were killed during that Nazi uh, occupation and that Nazi campaign under Hitler. He called it the final solution. Yes. Hitler, with audacity, stood up in spite of Jeremiah's prophecy that Israel would endure, but all nations that took her captive would all expire and be eradicated. And he said, this is the final solution. We will kill all Jews and eradicate them. The enemies of the Jews have made great efforts to eradicate them from the earth, but yet today they have their own nation and they are united before God in a greater way than they have been in almost 3,000 years. Millions of Jews have returned to their ancient homeland. The Nazis, the Romans, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, they have all vanished. 
Anybody who even claims anything to be a Nazi or, or some kind of a Roman or Babylonian, they're just rattling swords and they have they, all their poison, their fangs have been taken away. They are eradicated. But God has fulfilled what he said he would do. I just wonder what the odds would have been if there would have been some kind of a mathematical figure when Noah stepped out and began to build an ark and then the New Testament said he was a preacher of righteousness. So he must have told people, hey, the Lord's going to destroy the earth by water. We do know that God emphatically said he was going to destroy Nineveh. Even sent Jonah in there to tell them they only had 40 days. And then because they repented, he did not destroy Nineveh. Because at that time, because they repented. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. It is possible that if the earth would have repented, God would not have destroyed it by water, just as he did not destroy Nineveh, even after he already emphatically said he would. You see, God has a soft heart for repentance. And whatever you've done and wherever you've been and whatever's on your heart today, ever how hard you feel or how far you feel, God has a soft heart for repentance. The Bible said that heaven rejoices more over one sinner that repents than over 99 that need no repentance. He has a soft heart for somebody that would bow their knee and their heart to him and repent. And so you think of the odds of Noah saying there's going to be a flood. We need to repent. Can you imagine the odds? There had never, it had never rained on the earth. There had never been anything even remotely like a flood since man had been upon the earth. The odds were absolutely, to them, those people, it was zero. There was no exponent to explain it in math. There was no mathematical figure that you could try to compare the odds. Will it flood or won't it flood? There was no chance that it would flood in the minds of the people. But the fact is, God said it would happen. Noah built the ark went into the ark, God shut the door, and the whole earth was flooded by water. Even today, people dig, dig, dig up artifacts to prove that even to the highest mountain, fish were swimming and landed again on dry land, and the fossils are there to prove it. God did what he said he would do. And he saved Noah and his family and the human race just like he said he would. Now I want to just shorten this and get right to the end of this. Let's look at the odds and let's just think of these. I don't have mathematical figures for these because here we are living in the last days. Here we are seeing things that are around us all the time. Yes, I see cell phones even in the country. Yes, I see people on their cell phones even out on a country road where there's not a house or a store in sight. And on those cell phones, you could be talking to somebody in Egypt or in Africa or in China. Right, yes, from right from Hatch Bend, Florida. I preached in this church, wasn't this building like this, but I preached in this church when I was about 17 years old, when Oba the Tumman was pastor. And I, my wife was talking about some of you precious people that were here then. God bless you. I'm so honored. And, and just to still be that we're all still in the church and we're still waiting on the Lord to come. And we're still going on with God. And anybody that stumbled got up and kept going because that's what makes the difference. Hallelujah. But just look at the odds now and let's just see if the odds are even close to as great as what I've just talked about and yet those have already happened. Let's think about if it could happen. 
Revelation 13 speaks of this one called the beast that would cause all that dwell on the earth to worship him. Now let's, let's, let's don't, let's don't, let's again, let me say it one more time and I'll just leave it. Let's don't get, let's just enjoy this for a moment. <laughs> let's don't get hung up on little diversities or even big diversities. But we know whatever you think it means, it's going to happen or has happened or it will happen. But they're, they're going to, there's one called the beast that's going to cause all that dwell upon the earth to worship him. Is there, what are the odds of a unified worship? It did not say that everybody would agree on one religion. I know we phrased, we coined the phrase one world religion. This didn't say that. It just simply said they would worship this beast. We're seeing the day when the Islamics are not staying in the Middle East. The Buddhists are not staying in the Far East. The Hindus are not staying in the India, Pakistan, or whatever area. No, we're seeing the day when the earth is becoming smaller and smaller and is becoming a hodgepodge of human beliefs. There are so many famous people, movie stars, celebrities, sports stars, people that do, even presidents and governors and senators that have gone to places like Tibet and other places around the earth and they have, different people have spent time in Africa or Tibet or some of these places and they brought back with them a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Islam and they brought it back and they interwove it into many things. We, we think nothing today and I'm not trying to preach a standard or something but we think nothing today if people say I'm doing yoga. What we really mean is most of us if we're saved we really mean we're doing some stretches and we're doing some exercises. But the fact is yoga is brought, brought right straight out of Buddhism. Exactly. And there's a lot of other things like Zen. That, oh that's Zen. That's a cool new name. Now that's Zen. That means to us that's cool. Back in our day we said cool. Now they say that's Zen. That's straight out of Buddha, Buddhist. It's right straight out of it. It's being interwoven into our everyday life. It, 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 and with, the, with the way that the world is connected now, it is a day when it would be the easiest that it's ever been since the earth was created for people to worship one idea. So whether you will or not, or whether I will or not, that's our decision. But the question I'm asking, is it more possible? Do we actually even see that the odds are not that impossibly great that this could happen not that they would all be one religion not that it would all be called one thing but don't we see it as my wife said earlier today even among the Christian church world that many times they don't want to put a label on it because it's a hodgepodge of all kind of beliefs don't we see that in every rank and file don't we see that on every level of religion even among Christianity where people are rather call their church bubbling brook and then put no brand on it. And I don't believe you have to. I don't believe you just have to. But that's not my point. My point is, don't we see that we are more open that people, America and all the world is more open than ever before to our intermingling? And we can talk about, you know, the Islam, Islamists and, and all these things. Everything will always have is extremists. And I'm not trying to lighten up on anything that's a false doctrine, whether it be a Christian false doctrine or some other false doctrine of the world. But there is a day that we're living in where it is more probable than ever. When you've got the Pope going to various nations trying to soften, when you have the Pope meeting with Islamists and meeting with Buddhists, 
and meeting with Hindus in years and centuries gone by, they would have never thought to have letting them have an audience, and yet they're pulling it together. And when uh, here a few years ago, they were interviewing a lot of people, and I saw some clips of the news of where that there are people that are pastors of mega churches that claim to be Christian, even a little bit slanted toward Pentecostal churches in America that would not, when they were interviewed and put on the spot by, by a lot of the talk show, you know everything's news these days, a lot of it's real popular, and they were put on the spot about whether, whether you could be saved if you were Buddhist, whether you could be saved if you were Muslim, whether you could be saved in all these, they would not come straight out and say yes or no. I am saying that don't we see that the odds of there being people worshiping that one, that coming together to cause all the earth to worship, there's a whole lot better odds of that today than there was a flood in Noah's day. The Lord Jesus is coming soon. The Lord Jesus is coming soon. Power will be given to give life unto the image of the beast. Cause the image of the beast should both speak and cause many that would not worship to be put to death or killed. Artificial intelligence. Is, is that a great stretch of our imagination? For goodness sake, in the field of technology and even combining biology with technology, it's happening around us. They're growing new ears for people in a, in a dish, in a laboratory. They are, they are combining electronics and, and biotic, uh, bionics and, the, and, and, and physical things all in one thing right now. Artificial intelligence, is that really that great of a stretch of imagination? It's not nearly 2,900 years away. When, when, when God said Abraham to Abraham, your people are going to have this and they'll be scattered, but those nations will all be eradicated, but your people will come back and have their own land. That sounded impossible, but does this sound impossible? This sounds very doable to have artificial intelligence that begin, could be given to the image of the beast. Whatever it means to you, it don't matter. The point is, it's ready to happen right now. Revelation 13, again, is some parts about this. He said those all small, great, rich, poor, free, bond, receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Are tracking devices really that far-fetched these days? Is, does it really seem that impossible that now that every person could have a number applied to them and that that number could actually become part of their very life and even part of their body and we know they're doing this to animals and even certain big corporations or their employees are accepting it voluntarily? Is that really a stretch of our imagination? I say that Noah had a whole lot harder time convincing the people of his day of a flood. And, and during that 2,900 years that Israel was either divided or scattered, there was a whole lot more difficult time getting people to believe there would be another Israel and a new nation of Israel. But today we see this happening as I speak. Jesus is soon to come back for his people. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. And of course, of course, it said that there would no man might buy or sell save he had the mark. What are the odds for some world entity? Don't have to be a nation. It can be a league of nations. It can be just simply a computer system. It can be so many things. You, America can't even have a stumble on Wall Street without it, the thread going all the way to Tokyo. Tokyo can't stumble on their stock market without it going all the way into Europe. China can't hardly stumble in their economy without even now affecting the United States of America. 
Can we say it's a big far stretch today that there could be a system whereby that the whole world could be affected by the economy and everyone would affect another? No, that is before our eyes today. Now folks, when this church here first started many years ago and when some of you, your grandparents were a Christian, your parents and down the line and as you sit here today whether you're a young person or whatever our age may be, we have to admit that the odds of these things actually being fulfilled while we live today maybe this week, maybe this day, maybe this month, maybe this year these things being fulfilled are right absolutely on our threshold the camel has his nose already in the tent. We're really right here ready for the Lord to come. And oh, how many we have already seen go and they're asleep waiting for the Lord to come. But the Bible said, gives us that promise, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. But the dead in Christ, they'll rise first. But we which are alive and remain shall be cut up together to meet with the Lord in the air. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear myself as I preach. I sometimes occasionally hear myself preach after I preach. And I think, my goodness, you're preaching with such fervency and such passion. Maybe you ought to lighten up a little bit. But when I really look into eternity and when I really look in the day in which we live and I realize that life is, even though people complain in politics and people bicker and argue and all this stuff, the fact is life is better than it's ever been on planet Earth. That's a fact. That's just the way it is, whether we complain or like it or not or whether we have to be going through a bad time personally life is better than ever before but folks this is all going to pass away according to God's word and if all those prophecies were fulfilled with such outrageous odds what are the odds that it's going to happen in our lifetime and maybe even this day really how many people knew on that black day when the stock market fell and this nation plunged into the Great Depression. Why, had they known the rich people would have sold their stocks the day before? Instead of jumping out of windows to their death the day after. I'll never forget where I was when JFK was killed in elementary school but in a, in a, break, in a time of a break, washing my hands, getting ready to go back to class. Somebody came to the bathroom and said, our president was just shot. I'll never forget where I was when the planes went into the World Trade Towers, towers and, 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 and how I found out and just the whole I can picture it just like I'm sitting there and smelling everything that was in the room where I was uh, be, being informed about this. I will never forget that. And let me be sure to, that we know that when the Lord comes back, the Bible says the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Oh, <laughs> Now those that go, we're going to be made to forget all of our sorrows. But those that are left behind, they are going to remember the second, the moment that they realize Jesus has come and the church is gone. If I may just, now I'm really using my own little bit of imagination uh, here. But let's just talk about Jesus coming back. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Well, of course he's coming with a shout. He's coming to get his bride. 
I mean, what young man is not like, yeah, all right, getting my bride today. Hallelujah. Of course he's coming back with a shout. With the, vo- uh, the voice of the archangel. Archangel always represents the top or the best angel. Uh, well, we get mildly to call him best man. Because the groom is coming for his bride. And the trump sound. Well, maybe we would be playing, here comes the bride. I thought this was in imagination here. But hear me, simply, in simple terms, these things are gonna happen. The Lord is coming back for his church, his bride. The people that are left behind are gonna say, what happened when millions and millions of people suddenly are not on the earth anymore? I firmly believe that there are two distinct things mentioned in the Bible. There is that where the scripture says he appears in the air and the Bible tells us in this verse that I was just reading, the dead in Christ shall rise first, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we will ever be with the Lord. When Jesus, the first thing that happens is not Jesus coming back to Jerusalem. The first thing that happens is the meeting in the air. And that's the part I believe can happen any minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, you better believe it. In 41 years of pastoring, I've discussed a lot of stuff with people about Bible prophecy, and that's how much I know I don't know much. But I also know a lot of other people think they know don't know much. But one thing we all do know is Jesus is coming, and the church is going, and he is gonna have a bride. And I personally believe that Jesus could come any minute, any hour of any day, and I say that because the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. I want to say to some people today, we don't know when our time will come. First of all, we don't know when our time will come to possibly go in death. It doesn't matter if we're young or old. It doesn't matter if it's by illness or accident. It could happen at any time. And I know this community right here is feeling the weight of that with this accident that just happened when my wife and I drove by within one minute after it happened coming in the other day on Friday. Oh! There's some family today that's grieving because somebody has gone into eternity. And I'm not judging their, their salvation. That's not my point. My point is we don't know the day nor the hour. One moment we're driving down the road, the next moment the rain or the puddle or that unforeseen obstacle swifts us out of one lane to another. And the next thing we know, we're, we wake up on the other side. Oh, folks, we don't know. But Bible does say this one thing. Not everybody's gonna be in the grave because he said those that alive and remain. There's gonna be a people just like here today that's living for God, that's walking with God, that's serving God. As a pastor, started starting pastoring 41 years ago and now still serving with my son as pastor, here we are. I've seen a lot of people pass on into eternity. I've seen a lot of people. I've seen folks that were ready to go and I've seen some that weren't ready. I've seen the time when they went suddenly and time when they went so gradually and so painfully and none of it is good. Of course, it's nothing. There's nothing wrong with us grieving but the Bible did say that we should not be as those who have no hope. We should not be like the rest of this world. When we're, when we're finished with our humanity, of course, we're grieving and we're hurting so deeply. Even if it's, if it's something that we've been told and warned about, this could happen any day. We still grieve and we hurt so deeply. But the fact is we have a promise and we have a hope that is so far beyond this life. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? 
God has eradicated that through the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. Let's praise the Lord together. I came here today with one message, and that is Jesus is coming. I tried my best to show you the odds of how it was when other prophecies were being fulfilled when it seemed impossible odds. But look at us today. How can we look at the odds of what the Bible said would happen and say that could never happen? It's unfolding now. It's being worked on in, 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 in tech labs and in biology labs. It's all happening now at this moment. It is ready to happen. Don't we know it's not just America. It's, it's Asia. It's Africa. It's Europe. We're all propping ourselves up artificially right now. We are. We really are. Financially and so many other ways and politically, we're just kind of propping up and it seems more and more people are just puppets being pulled by a string. This Bible is gonna come to pass no matter what string has to be pulled. And the thing I'm looking for, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. The Bible didn't say to look for him. It said we need to be looking for his appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be looking for is the appearing. Oh! Hallelujah. He's gonna appear and we're gonna meet him in the air. Oh yes, at some point he's coming back and he's gonna rule and we're gonna reign with him as kings and priests on this earth for a thousand years and we're going to see magnificent things and we're gonna be eternally with him. But today the Lord is soon to come. You know, wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever your day is like, whatever your life is like, whether you're young and just starting or whether you're a child or whether you're, you know that you've been living a long time and you're starting to feel a lot of things you didn't feel as far as aches and pains and stiffness. Life is still life. This Bible has not changed because I once was young and now I'm old. This Bible has not changed because technology has changed. Matter of fact, the Bible predicted all the technology. The good, good, the good life, even in the midst of what we think is trouble, somehow or another, we're living the good life. Oh, you may say, well, we're going through a tough time, and yet, yet people are living in fine homes for two and three and four years they hadn't made a payment on. I'm not, I'm not saying negative. I'm saying, oh, yeah, it's a better life than we, we really want to think it is. But it's all artificially being held up. It's all being artificially boosted. Oh, but Jesus is not artificial. The coming of Jesus Christ is not fiction. He's coming back for church. There's a church here that's glad. There's a people here that's clapping. There's a people here that's rejoicing. But my soul says there are those here that you're a little bit concerned right now. And I've always felt in the Holy Ghost that this kind of a message is that message that people lay awake at night and think about. And it needs to be that way. This is the kind of message that'll make us look around for someone we just saw a second ago and they're not there and the first thought that pops, once the Lord came. And I used to hear stories like that often and we still hear them occasionally and they're, they're kind of funny to us after we realize he really didn't come, I really didn't get left. But at the moment, it's the most scary thought in the world. We don't hear about it like we used to, but there was a day when I was younger, there was a lot more often that people would admit 
that somebody was there and then they, they knew they were a child of God. They knew they prayed. They walked with God. They lived it straight up with God. And suddenly they weren't there and they first thought, oh my goodness, the Lord is coming. I've been left. There are going to be two side by side and one taking another left. They might be in the same bed. They might be in the same workplace. They might be in the same, in, in the same field working wherever they may be. But there are going to be people taking and another left. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is coming. Oh God, Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. In the day you think not, in the hour you think not, the Son of Man cometh. On that regular day, driving home from work, on that normal day, going to work, on that sleepful night, resting well, to wake up to find out the Lord has come. Are you ready? Are you ready? And it's, it's not really a matter of whether or not you're a member of a church. It's a matter of whether you know your heart's right with God. That's really what matters. It's not a matter of saying, well, I came to church, and goodness sake, y'all have kept us here half the day so far. I must be okay to go to heaven. That's not what really counts. Is your heart right with God? Did you let God do anything inside your heart today? Did you let the Lord refresh you, renew your Savior? Let's pray together as they sing a song. In the name of Jesus, I praise you, Lord. I thank you. By your grace, we look for your return. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.